everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week brings us another letter from the mailbag. We've got an email that came in from a lead technician who is really struggling with finding some middle ground in their role because in their practice, they seem to be having some culture issues. They've lost some team. They've maybe had some toxicity happening, and they've really been working hard as a leader within the team to grow and overcome these challenges. And they are really struggling because they feel like the practice leaders and the practice owner and practice manager just want to focus on numbers and metrics and practice growth. They are wondering if it has to be numbers versus culture or if there's any balance to be had here. Let's get into this. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie stuck in the middle with you guys. <laughs> How's it going, Andy Rourke? Oh, man. It's it's good. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Summertime is, is hurtling, hurtling towards a close at our house. Um, it is, as as we record this, it's, we're coming up in the last week of July, and then I'm doing the fast last family vacation. I getting getting the kids back from camp, and then we're heading out of town to go do that. And then we come back, and like the next the next Tuesday is the first day of school, and like we start back early in August here, and then and then we're into the fall and right back going. And that man, summer was just the blink of an eye. Yeah, this year seems to be flying by like so yeah. so 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 fast. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's it's scary how how fast it's going. Yeah, I am. I'm definitely um ready for some cooler weather, but I'm not ready to give up the sunshine and the the beauty of of summer here. So oh, yeah. I'm gonna soak it up for a few more weeks <laughs> before we go back to you know rainy Washington and <laughs> take all the sunshine we can get. But uh, I I feel you. The summer is going by really really quick. We are um. We're at the the middle of our summer highlights. Uh, we're going to see Taylor Swift tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you are! Wow, are. that's a big deal. Uh, it is. Um, I told my kid uh, it is her birthday and Christmas and everything for like the next five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, oh man. Um, she is very very excited. So, um, I will be taking a gaggle of gymnasts to Seattle this weekend and uh, there will be uh, lots of Starbucks involved. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be lots of singing, just so you know. There's going to be lots of, of singing. Lots of excitement. Lots of lots of glitter and outfits and all of the things. And it's so funny because everybody keeps asking me like, oh, do I? Do you have your outfit planned? And I'm like, no. <laughs> when uh, we went to the AVMA convention in Denver, Taylor Swift was playing there and like a hundred thousand people came to denver for she had like two concerts and apparently it's easier to get tickets there and everywhere you look there was pink and sparkles and glitter and sequins (laughs) but you know at least with taylor's at least it's like a positive vibe yeah 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 yeah. like everyone seemed to be in a really good mood and like it was actually a pretty wonderful thing to be around i was i was i was i was i don't know i was pleasantly surprised it was really cool yeah. So, uh, so that's, uh, this has been like weeks on end of, of excitement in, uh, in my house. And so we are, we are looking forward to that. And yeah, then like you, it's just, it's heading into the end of summer. So it's, it's, it's crazy busy, but it is still summer for everybody. And we got a summer, uh, summer crazies related email in the mailbag that I uh, wanted to fish out and put forward sooner rather than later because um, we got a letter from a lead technician who uh, is struggling with being super overwhelmed in the clinic. And I just, I thought it would be a good one for us to talk through. So there actually, this was a wonderful, wonderful letter. And I read it and I'm like, okay, this is like three, (laughs) there's like three podcast episodes in here. Yeah, Um, it's a lot. But uh, basically, the, it came from a lead technician, and uh, they have had some awesome changes and some challenging changes in their practice over the last couple of years. So they have been really working on culture and have made some real improvements and then had some changes with their staffing and actually lost a doctor. So they went from having a couple of doctors down to really ha- being essentially a one doctor practice uh, with some with some occasional help. And... Um, 
it's gone well because they really like each other as a team and they get along. And um, there have been some significant challenges as they have gotten smaller and summer has hit. So they've got some, you know, summertime help, but they've also got everybody taking vacations. So they're shorthanded, even though they have lost a doctor. And uh, that is causing some significant challenges because this lead tech who used to be doing culture work and having some admin time off the floor and helping lead the team, do interviews, try and hire all of those things that happen when you are not in role, you know, for your entire shift are now on the back burner. And this tech has stepped back into being in their role and they are struggling because um, there seems to be some growing disconnect between themselves and the practice owner and the practice manager um, because though they are the leadership is looking at it and it's like you know we're shorthanded we're not making our numbers we're down in revenue and the lead technician is like yeah, duh. <laughs> like, I know it feels really busy, but we've cut out appointments because we have less doctors. We have less staff. We are, you know, can't see as many drop-offs, fit-ins, all of those things. So they're looking at it from a place of trying to protect the culture and trying to protect the team. And they are feeling the pinch because they are feeling like the hospital leadership is just looking at it from a spreadsheet perspective. And it's like, we're not making our numbers. We need to do more and more and more. And this tech is really worried about the consequences on themselves and on the main remaining staff if they only look at the numbers. And ultimately, um, they were asking some questions at the end about like, you know, given everything that I have shared, does it sound like I'm just burnt out and <laughs> and being difficult? Or, you know, how do I how do I get my head straight, really? Because what I want to do is bridge the gap between the team and the practice leadership. And I'm feeling like I'm kind of failing at that. And so there's a lot for us to unpack as we kind of get into it. But I thought it was, it's such a great question. And I think this is going to be one of those episodes, like as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, I, I know that feeling. Like I've, I've been there where I feel like, um, you know, I'm worried about the team and the culture and the people and the people above me are looking at numbers on a spreadsheet and you have that disconnect between the numbers and the culture and it really feels like it has to be one or the other. And so I thought um, talking that piece through would be something fun for us to do. I, I, I'm excited to do this. I'm going to try to wrangle my emotions in on this because this is a really hard, this is a really hard one for me to talk about because here's the thing. I have been the guy at the top looking at the spreadsheet and I, I, have, a, I have a very specific perspective <laughs> on, on this and also empathize. I, I empathize with our writer, but I really empathize with the panicking leaders at the top because I've been I've been there. Yes. So anyway, I, but we'll start to unpack this because it is, is I think I think we can do this justice. I think I think we've we've been in the different positions uh, mm -hmm. around the, the board. And so I think we can sort of talk to them a little bit in an empathetic way. So I, I'm excited to sort of start to unpack this. Uh, one thing I would say is if you are a team lead, uh, just like this team lead who took the time to write to us, and uh, and you are balancing uh, pressure from above with trying to look out for the team below, uh, you might want to check out our Uncharted Team Lead Summit. It's on November the 8th. It's a one-day virtual summit. It's open uh, just to team leads. And so whether you're head CSR or lead technician, uh, this is for you. And so we will talk just exactly about managing uh, pressure from management and looking out for the team and uh, managing teams. So anyway, but that's, that's the first thing I'll throw. Let's get into headspace here. Okay. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds okay. like a great place to start. So that's that's generally a good, it's generally a good place for us to start. All right. Um, two things can be true at the same time. The first thing I would say is numbers are important. Yes. We, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. And uh, there are some uh, unquestionable forces of practice life, which is uh, payroll is coming. Yes. And you have to have the money to, to do that. Yes. Right. Like, you, like, yes. it's I as much as I hate it, money is money is like food. It's not what life is about. Uh, but buddy, if you don't have it, it it becomes a very hard thing to ignore, and your options for spending your time get really limited. Yes. Um, and so that is money is like is like food in that way. And so so paying attention to numbers is really important. Watching your metrics, watching you know the numbers, of the appointments, uh, things like that, 
it's, it's critical to be able to set clear expectations, right? Everybody wants to know if they're doing a good job and how they're doing and how are we doing. And if you don't have some general ideas that have some numbers tied to them, you don't know how we're doing. And it's really hard to set expectations about, yes, we're doing a good job or, hey, today wasn't the best day for us or, you know, things like that. You, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. You, you've got to have some numbers and metrics just to know how you're doing so you can organize people and get them to work together. And on the same, uh, on the other hand, nobody got into this job to hit number targets, right? Like no one's like, yeah, I'm going to vet school so I can smash those pet per day numbers, you know, like, nope. Um, Culture is critical and people want to believe that their work, it matters and they don't want to feel like they're in the vet clinic to generate revenue like that's not why they're here and it feels kind of gross because they get accused of you know just trying to build people for dollars and they don't want to believe that there's any truth to that at all and when everything is number focused you start to wonder sometimes like well is it true do we really need to charge these things that that can that is also true so you have to sort of uh hold both of those things and then the two things swirl together where in my experience if you have a good culture and people feel like their work matters and they feel like they're appreciated then you generally tend to have a financially healthy practice you know um and if you have a financially healthy practice and you reinvest back into the culture and the people then they tend to take care of you and it kind of spins back up and so they they really do go hand in hand i think that that's sort of the point of our writer is uh they're feeling like there's a lot of pressure about the numbers and not and not about the culture and the culture is starting to fall apart under pressure for numbers and i have a hundred percent seen that and so so i just want to start start with that there's there's this leadership pitfall and this is why this spoke to me so much and why i said i'm gonna try to not get emotional about it it's just because i've seen it so much is one of the hardest games as a leader especially especially small business but this also happens in the corporate practices where you're the medical director you're the regional director you're the practice manager and you have this force from above that's holding you accountable to dollars they're like you need to do you need to make this money there is very there's very little panic that i think most business owners feel like running out of money and not being able to pay people. I will tell you that there have been times when I have looked at the numbers and been like, I don't know if everybody can keep their job. If, you know, if we have a couple more months like this one, this last one, I don't know if I can keep their job. And man, that is a hard emotional experience for me because I do, I feel like I fail people if I can't keep them employed. You know, I go, I, you know, I, I hired you for this. I feel like I owe it to you to be able to, 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 to take care of you and, and give you a good give you a good job and i know that that's my own sort of stories i tell myself but man it is really challenging and where the where the real trap comes in though is when you're looking at these numbers and 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 people are saying these numbers are important these numbers are important if you want to pass that information down to the team and say guys i'm just being honest with you we're we're not we're in trouble like we're right. not doing well we are not meeting our numbers you know we are from above the way we're being ranked, whether we're independent and we're trying to make payroll or whether we're from a bigger group and we have these expectations, uh, we are not succeeding and I'm getting a lot of negative pressure because of that. And so you want to be transparent with the team and let them know that. The trick is, the problem is that if you do that in less than a graceful way, which is what you tend to do when you're actually stressed out and you know feeling overwhelmed (laughs) is you don't tend to be your most graceful. If you do that, then the team, the team generally knows that things aren't going that well. And now they're feeling pressured about money. And each individual person has very limited control over the practice right. finances. It's not like, uh, you know, Michael, the CSR can step up and, you know, and make the practice finances change by himself. He, he can't. And so they, they feel like they have limited control. They're getting kind of beaten up over something that they as individuals don't have much control over. And at some point, it starts to wear you down because then you do start to feel like you're being uh, judged on the amount of money that you make. And as we said, a lot of people have a really negative knee-jerk reaction to that. And so I've just seen this spiral where a practice starts to struggle. And it sounds like that's what happened here is they lost, there were two doctors and down to one doctor. And so they lost a lot of revenue generating capacity. And then, you know, other people left. And it sounds like a leadership, the practice owner, practice manager are starting to panic. And when we panic, 
sometimes we are not super graceful. So they're starting to talk about money and nobody wants to be in a practice that's struggling and the owners only want to talk about money. (laughs) And then more people are leaving and that makes the panic worse, which makes the pressure worse. And the whole thing spirals down. And that is that is one of the biggest leadership pitfalls that I see. And I have been in that driver's seat of going, God, we're bleeding money everywhere. And I want to be honest with the team because I don't want them, you know, and mad at me because they're not getting raises, right. you know, this right. month. And at the and I need their help. Like I, I you know, this is not you the can't time do it on your for. Own. I can't do it on my own. I, I need help. And so I feel like I need to t- be honest with them about why I'm panicking. But the thing is, I panic and they hear it. And then a week later, I'm still panicking. And they're like, no, we talked about this last week. And I'm like, but I'm still (laughs) panicking, you know, and then the end of the month comes and I'm panicking again. And they're like, look, dude, you've three times this month, you have told us that we need to make more money for the practice. I get it. And you can see how it quickly goes. And as they get resentful, I panic more because I'm like, no, you guys are not hearing me. And then you end up in this horrible beatings will continue until morale improves situation. You know what I mean? Where you're making the culture worse. Yeah, you're making the culture worse. And the culture has to get better for you to actually get out of this nosedive. But the thing that you're doing to try to get out of the nosedive is just killing the culture, which is the thing that you need to get back out of the nosedive. So anyway, it's a horrible situation. I have 100%. I have felt this before. And it's just, it's awful. It's an awful, awful feeling. It is. It's a, it's a vicious cycle. And I think, um, I think I'm, I'm kind of glad that you tackled, uh, a big chunk of the headspace because I, I have strong, I have strong personal <laughs> feelings sure. and connections because I've been there on both sides of this. And that's, um, I've been there as the leader and the practice owner who is like, Oh, this, you know, like we, we, I know we need to make these numbers um, or there's consequences, whatever those consequences are, whether it's like you said, it, are people going to be able to cash their paychecks like been, been there, um, you know, it, or is it just like, oh, well, you know, we're starting to trend down and I know that I'm going to get called to the hot seat with my boss and have to explain why things are happening. Like there are varying degrees of that, but I have definitely been in that seat and I have been in the seat of the team where it's like, to your point none of us got into this because we want to manage numbers like the the vast, vast majority. um, And by majority, I mean, probably 99.9% of our profession got into it because they care about the patients, right? And so when you start to focus on the numbers and the business side of it, it is that that head and that head and heart disconnect for people where they're like, I'm here for the heart. I'm here for the patients. I'm here to take care of, um, you know, people and their pets and the, you know, all of the the touchy feely things. And when you lean into the, um, you know, the numbers and the analytics, they're just like, they shut you off. And to your point, then it spirals because both sides are like, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. And it's just this, you know, it's this big um, swirling pit of of despair. And so like, I, I definitely um, empathize with this uh, writer because it is a hard position to be in. And it's a really, really hard position to be in from the middle, the way that they are, because as a, as a lead technician or as a lead CSR, as a, you know, as a team lead, and honestly, even as a practice manager, but much less so like more as a leader on the team, you're in the trenches, like you're still working on the floor, you're part of the team. And so you see and feel and bleed the day to day effects the same way that they do. And you're also beginning your leadership journey where you're being asked to think beyond yourselves. You know, you're being asked to think beyond the floor and the team. And you're really starting to have to try and think a little bit with a business cap on. And so I appreciate this leader asking um, questions and asking perspective on, you know, are they just being difficult wanting to advocate for the team and for the patients and, you know, don't burn us out. Like let's, let's practice good medicine. Um, And to your point, like shouldn't, shouldn't the money follow. And so I think that this is a, this is a really hard position for someone who is in a team lead uh, role to be in. And so I really appreciate them taking, you know, taking the time and asking the questions because they're, they're good questions. Yeah. 
I, I, I really love it. I, so I'll give you a quick analogy. I see how it feels to me. It's like, imagine that you uh, you had a bakery, right? Like a magical bakery okay. where uh, where the food was only good if it was cooked with love, right? Okay. Like that's it. Like you have to, you, like joy and love makes the, makes the, the things you make wonderful. And the bakery <laughs> is about to go out of business. Okay. That's the scenario here is you're like, guys, we're going to go out of business. It's really hard to bake with joy and love. Sure. When there's stress you know, the business and anxiety is about to and, go. Yep, yep. Exactly. There's stress yep. and anxiety. And it's like the thing that makes the magical cookies is, is being killed by the stress of uh, needing to be more successful. But the only path to success is to do a better, you know, is to bake with joy and love. And so you, sure. that's, that's exactly like the, the spiral. And when you're the practice owner and practice manager, you are acutely aware of, you know, of how the business is doing. And so they have that pressure. But, um, but I feel for the CSR who, or the uh, the lead tech that's in between of going, you know, I get that we're financially we're we're struggling or that there's a hardship, and if we do not lean back into the joy and love, then this is never going to work. And that's really the position this person is in. So anyway, I, I think the first thing, the reason I started with that is I, I think to be successful when you are in this in between position, you need to obviously empathize with the team and know that like. They're not here for the money. They're here because they they want to feel their work matters. They don't want to feel like they're doing this to generate revenue. Like that's not what they're here for. Yeah. And you also want to empathize with the management and leadership that's like, hey, we are held accountable to these revenue numbers. Like we just are. And they're real. And so the the most savvy of leaders is like, if you want a real test of your skill, you have to be able to to hold both of those things in your hand at the same time, which mm-hmm. means you have to know that financially things are not going well and still lean into the culture, talk to people about why their work matters and talk to them about how we are doing a good job and we're doing it for the right reasons and be transparent about like, hey, you know, things are not going that well, uh, just so you guys know. And there's really this, this sort of dance here. The CSR has got, or the, I keep saying CSR, the, uh, the team lead, <laughs> They, they've got they've got a number of options here now that we kind of lay this out and go, okay, great. As long as you can empathize with management and where they're coming from and the pressures that they're feeling and the team on the floor, it's your job to then say, okay, can I balance these things? And sometimes you can't. Right. Um, a lot of this is to the credit of, of, the, of the owners and managers. You know, if you've got a leadership team that is not going to back down and they are just going to every day they're going to to hammer on this and make mm-hmm. it, you know, make it a thing again and again. Um, you're going to have a really, really hard time. Part of this is I really, I as I looked at this, I'm really having to struggle to not try to coach the the leadership team because that's not who's asking this question, right. you know? Right. But like, just if leadership team, if you happen to be listening, <laughs> uh, just as as a real quick aside, <laughs> as a real quick aside, recognize that. The team doesn't want to hear about money. Like they like tell them, be transparent, but but then shut up because they don't want to hear about it. <laughs> and you have got to lean into the culture and the purpose to make to make this thing happen. Yes. Make make a plan. Decide what you're going to do. Like how are we going to turn this back around? Communicate it to the team. Communicate what the importance is, and then shut up and stop. You know, like. Try to stop looking at the numbers as best you can. So if you're going to look at the numbers, set a deadline and be like, great, we're not saying anything else about money for the next two weeks. So for we've told them we're, we're trying to do things. We're adjusting our plan. We are not going to talk to them about money or revenue or anything for the next two weeks. We are going to push the uh, the programs that we came up with right. and, and really try to push them for the right reasons, knowing that good medicine, taking care of people, um, Look, I just I have a mentor who's just said to me a number of times, Andy, you know, if you work hard and you take care of people, things tend to work out. And it's like I have have found that oftentimes that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, but, but you got to just decide to lean into that. But I, I, I tell you, I um, I stopped looking at fi- I would stop. I would stop looking at financials except for set times. I would be like, I can't look at the numbers every day because it's not helping me. Yes. It's like I, it's not helping me. I, I get it. I know generally what's going on. I know what we have to do. I need to stop looking at this and lean into trying to do good work on the ground. And then we'll stop at the end of the week and we'll look at how we did. But man, I know people who look at the numbers multiple times a day and I go, this is not helping. This is not helping you. And so that, that would be no. my, my side coaching to the leadership. No, it's not. It's not helping. And it's not it's not healthy either. Um, you know, that that obsessive um 
managing to a to a spreadsheet um, perspective. It's just it's it's not healthy because the reality is is that veterinary medicine, like there's a lot that we can control. And this is this is where um, I do empathize with the leaders who are looking at the number perspective, because there are a lot of things that we can control and there are a lot of changes that we can affect here. And we have a lot of people in veterinary medicine who succeed, who are in leadership positions and who succeed in spite themselves and who don't have the understanding and the education background to know how to impact and affect change um, when it comes to the numbers. And so there is like, you know, I have some thoughts on this when we get into the action steps perspective, but there's a there's often this like knee jerk of like things are going wrong and I know I need to fix it, but I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to fix it because I don't really understand the business side of it. And so I'm just going to throw all the spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And it just is often like there's more chaos than madness. And it's like, let's not do that, leaders, if you're listening and talk about some ideas. Um, But so, you know, when when you when you think about, you know, managing to a spreadsheet and that that tends to be kind of this knee jerk reaction is like like you were saying, Andy, I, I should look at it more because if I look at it more, then I'll know what's going on with it. But the reality is in veterinary medicine, we can't control all of the things. And there are things we can control. We can add more visits in, we can try and get patients who haven't been coming in to come in. There are things that we can impact and we cannot control every minute of every day. And there is so much up and down that has to happen over time. And I think that so many people from the business perspective, look at it and go, okay, there's a plan and we're going to put the plan in place and snap our fingers and poof, it's going to magically change overnight. But when you think about it, and in in this case, it's actually a really good example because this team lead was like, you know, we've had a downward trend in our numbers over the last three months. And this is typically at the one of the busiest times of the year for us, which is part of what is so worrisome, I'm sure, for the practice leaders is like, if in your busy time, you're really, really down. Well, it didn't happen overnight. That's three months worth yeah. of numbers. And you're not going to make a change and put it in place and poof overnight, it's going to it's gonna be back to the way that it was. And so I think that hyper-focused, hyper-obsessed, like looking at the numbers constantly, it is really unhealthy, Yeah, really unhealthy for yeah. so many reasons. And um, you, there is also truth in that it is not going to change overnight. And so it does no one, particularly not the people involved who are working their butts off good for them to see you hyper-focusing and hyper-obsessing and looking at the numbers constantly because those numbers will take time to change. And so I love your perspective, Andy, about let's take a, a certain point in time, whether it's the end of the day or the end of the week, um, you yeah. know, or every two weeks where you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down and review this and I'm going to implement change. Like you don't want to go a super long period of time because, you need the time to impact the change. And when, if it's not working, you want to adjust sooner rather than later. But to your point, like it is really, it's really, really unhealthy to do that obsessing. And so from a headspace perspective, like if that's part of what is happening here, that conversation about yeah. that, <laughs> that obsessing is probably a healthy one to have. No, I I, I, com- I completely agree. Like there's just the, the dials of control we have are not so fine that you need to look in the morning and the afternoon. That's ridiculous. Right. You know, right. like it's just exactly it takes everything you do takes it takes times and time, not in hours, not even in day, but in weeks, you know, yeah. like it, yep. it takes it takes weeks to to get things sort of turned around. And so that that one of the skills that I've learned over time is looking at and looking at trends and going, OK, this is not going the way that I want. And so um, I'm going to let's just tell you how I do it is I look and I say, I'm going to look, set this state as a significant inflection point. And if things are not trending back upwards uh, and they continue to trend down at this time, whether it's a date or whether it's uh, where I hit in, in the savings account or whether it's we when we cross into the emergency account for our business is like I have a plan for when we uh, have to dip into the emergency account. And it's sure. sort of the get small plan and like. It's gonna, it's gonna suck, uh, and we may not be able to carry. At some point, you say, "I tried to carry the staff for two doctors with just one doctor." Right. But we have not been able to replace that second doctor, and now I cannot carry that that much staff. I just can't, and that sucks. Yes. But you not 
owning that and continue just to freak out about it and, right. you know, pound on the staff to make more money is like, that's not, that's not helping anybody. You're going to lose so them anyways off. if that's you're gonna the lose way you approach anyway. it. I mean, quite honestly, sometimes the best, sometimes the best call is to say, we have hit this mark. We are now into our emergency fund. I am going to let some staff members go and restructure down to a one vet practice that we, that, that can be profitable, you know, that I can afford to keep. And my hope is that one day I will be able to add a second doctor and then we will have to rehire staff. And yes, that's not as great as if we already had them here, but it's just what we're going to have to do. And it's just funny. I, um, a lot. And again, I don't know this happened here. And again, I, we got to stop talking about the leadership team, but I just can't because <laughs> I just, I just I empathize so hard. Like there's this, there's this idea when, when you're, when you're right driving the team, right. And you're in charge. And, and you're trying to make these things happen. You're trying to make good calls. There is this, um, there's this tendency to like just white knuckle the steering wheel, right? Like you're like, we're going to pull this out. Right. And the truth and like, it's, it's we're either going to pull it out or we're going to crash and burn. And there's a, there's an, there's a middle path, which is, well, we're, we're going to have to make some hard choices along and along and we're going to adjust. We're not going to crash and burn. We're going to end up with a smaller team and that will suck. Right. But we're also not going out of business. But I've seen people just drive it right out of business. And I'm like, you know, right. if you would make some hard calls along the way and and let some people go or things like that, just along and along, you could have kept a smaller team and, and you know, and kept going and kept playing the game. Right. Um, but but we don't think that way. We're not like, oh, what adjustments are we get? It's just all or nothing thinking is we are going to make this thing fly or we're going to crash and burn. You go, how about this? How about you're going to make something different fly because you're going to make adjustments based on what you need to do. Right. And not not in a moment of panic, but by watching and, you know, trying things and, and setting some some guardrails where you say, well, if we're still trending down at this point, we're going to have to make some adjustments. But I tell you what, honestly, everybody's better off if you can do that and treat people with kindness and still lean into culture and 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 you know, honoring the work that you do and then saying, you know, I'm sorry, guys, you have to make these calls. Um, that actually does much better for you than screaming the whole way, uh, you know, that 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 this isn't working and people are not are not showing up the way they're supposed to. Yeah. OK, so um, do you have anything else headspace? We kind of we kind of started a little bit uh, talking into the action steps. But before we make that switch, do you have anything else headspace wise? No, I think um, I think I think the last thing that I would say, again, is, is just for the the lead technician that wrote to us is empathize. Right. Like understand where it's coming from. Um, nobody's trying to be a monster. Everybody's fighting a battle. Um you know, yeah, just just try to to recognize when you see people at their worst, try not to try not to sum them up as a person based on their worst day. You know what I mean? Like that's right. that's it. And at the same time, uh, we got we got to make some changes. And so when, let's take a break and we'll come back and then we'll get into if you're this lead tech, what are your what are your playing cards look like? Okay. Did you know that we offer workshops for our Uncharted members and for our non-members? So if you're listening to today's podcast and you are not a member of Uncharted yet, you should be. But this is not a conversation about joining Uncharted. This is a conversation about all of the amazing content that we have coming at all of you, whether or not you're a member through our workshop series. You should head over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events and check out what is coming. We have got an amazing lineup on the regular. We've got something every month, sometimes two or three things in a month coming at you um, to expand your brain, to talk about leadership, to talk about practice management and dive into the kind of topics that Andy and I talk about on the podcast every week. So now's your chance. Stop what you're doing. Pick up your cell phone. I know it's not far from you and type in unchartedvet.com forward slash events see what's coming and sign up. They are always free to our Uncharted members and they have a small fee attached to them. If you are not currently a member, you can get all of the details, pricing, dates, times, and register. Head over to the website now. I want to see you there. Let's, all right, so let's let's take this. So you're the lead tech. The the practice owner and practice manager keep beating the drum about money and um, and the morale is down and you're sort of stuck in the middle trying to help the culture on the ground and also to deal with the pressures that are coming from above. Right. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Sweet. Um, 
as I said before, I think, uh, I think culture is your better motivator for your staff, right? Um, sure. Lean into, lean into what we're doing, the fact that we're a team, the fact that we're trying to make a difference. Right. Remember what your team cares about. Everybody's got motivators, right? Sometimes it's patient care. Sometimes it's, it's making impact in the community. Sometimes it's educating pet owners. Like, what, what do they care about? Who are we? What are our values? And I would intentionally try to lean back into that and try to rally the troops around the values. I would go and have a conversation with ownership. And I think the best thing that I think you can say the owner, it depends a little bit on, on the, it depends a little bit on the individual. But I think if you're stuck in the middle here, the best thing that you can do for when communicating with a leadership is to make sure that they feel heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I will tell you as someone who's had to fly the ship and been like, oh, no, I don't I don't need people to freak out with me. But I just needed to hear someone say, Andy, we understand the situation. We we got it. And now we're going to get into problem solving mode. And that's all that that's all that I needed to hear was because that's the concern is you think, boy, do people not do they not get it? Do they not know that things are not going well? Do they not know how bad our our, our month was. And like, I've walked in the treatment room and people are like whistling and high-fiving and I'm like, ah, right. how could, right. how how could, could you, be you be so happy yeah, right exactly. now? And like, that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. But I, the first thing you say is, I get it. Yeah. I know this is important. I know we have to turn this around. And so just try to make them feel heard and let them show you the numbers and blah, blah, blah. But just go, yep, I, I get it. And, and so starting first is to, is to try to empathize and understand, but mostly to make, make leadership feel heard and then remember what your, what your team on the ground cares about. And, and I think it's possible for this lead technician to, to recognize that this may not be one conversation. So there's two big things here at play. Oh, there's yeah. the conversation about the numbers and about needing to be a part of the leadership team and the solutions and figuring out how to, to your point, like recognizing that everyone has jobs because the business exists. And if we don't run the business, we don't have jobs, right? And so part of this lead tech's role is looking at it from that perspective. And there's a lot um, going on that have to do with um, relationship pieces that don't have to do with the numbers that aren't the analytical piece, right? And this tech is feeling overwhelmed. They care about the team. They're, it's impacting them, you know, physically. They're working extra because they're shorthanded. They're on the floor. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're impacted and they want to have things change to improve their own situation um, and the situation for the team, right? And so recognizing that if their practice owner and their practice manager are worried about the numbers and stuff, and they're trying to combine those two very different things, the relationships and the numbers into one conversation, the chances for success are very minimal. So your best bet, um, in my opinion, would would be uh, to to break those things apart and be fully engaged with both both conversations completely separately, so that you can have the relationship conversation. You can pull those levers. You can talk about the impact to you, and you know we'll we'll talk about how would you set up a, a conversation like that. Um, that conversation is going to go so much better when you're both in agreement that that's the conversation that you're there to have versus them wanting to have a conversation about the numbers and you wanting to have that conversation because you do want to grow and you do like this, uh, you know, this person wants to develop as a leader and also they care about the team, they care about themselves, they've got all of this other stuff. And it just, that conversation never goes well on either side. And, And most of us, I think it's just human nature try and have the conversation together. I know I did, you know, it was like, and and so did my bosses. It's like, let's just sit down and let's just have the come to Jesus and let's just hash it all out in one mega long meeting. And then everybody leaves in tears. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It never goes well. (laughs) And then we all cry. Everybody cries. Okay. Yes. Okay. So so I completely agree. I see this a million times. It is is a terrible idea because (laughs) this is not a let's hash it out problem. There are questions, things where you'd like, this is a hash it out problem. Is like, 
is because we talk about is this a head, heart, or hands argument, right? A right. head argument is we don't we're not understanding. We're looking at different facts. A heart is it means different things to different ones, and a hands is understanding how we get things done. Can we actually get this thing done? Right. Right. Um, this is going to cycle between head, heart, and hands. And yeah. like every time the numbers come back or they're looking like it is going to cycle. If it's just a head problem, which means the staff does not understand this thing and we understand it and we need to make them understand it, it's possible you could get together and hash it out and everyone goes, oh, okay, all right, I get it. I see where you're coming from. And right. then we put it down. But that's not what this is. I would tell you, as somebody who is uh, looking at the numbers, like I said, it takes a long time to turn these things around, to make real changes, things like that. This is not This is not a problem you're going to hash out in an afternoon, and then we're not going to worry about it anymore. It's going to continue to be a thing, which means if you're a writer, this is a relationship management thing, right? Think about it like you're supporting a friend, someone you care about, who has a, a medical problem. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not going to hash out their medical problem in an afternoon in and be like, no, buddy, yeah. listen, I re- I empathize and I am thinking about you and I'm sending thoughts and prayers. And if we could just not talk about this anymore, uh, that would be great. Um, <laughs> thanks. But just know that I'm thinking about you. But also it's, it's awkward and it brings and it makes me feel weird. So just, if you could just not bring it up again, that would be great. Um, it's, it's, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's not that. It's yes. for the people who are trying to fly the ship, it's like going to be an ongoing thing. And so I do think that as your as your lead technician, you are going to be in a relationship management thing. And that's not bad. It just means, trust me, this is going to come up again. It's going to keep coming up because it's not going to go away. And every time they look at the numbers or every time payroll goes through and the accountants drop, you know, or whatever, um, they're going to they're going to have another panic attack. Sure. And part part of part of the challenge in managing this is you're going to have to be patient and kind every time. Right. You know, you're going to have to continue to say, I hear you. I understand. I, like, these are the things that are going well. I think we have a good plan. You're going to have to reassure. And then you're going to have to go back to trying to work on the culture as we are, as we do, in a way that also, you know, helps support the practice. You're going to have to reapply yourself to the practice. And again, I think it's, I think a lot of people think that there's something disingenuous about using different messaging to leadership and to the team, but I really don't think that there are. You know what I mean? I um, Different people are motivated by different things or different people need different things. Sure. And so, for example, if you, I'm just, this is going to be terrible because I'm, I'm just shooting from the hip. If you went uh, to me and my wife and you were like trying to get us to go on vacation somewhere, you're a vacation salesman. The thing you would say to me is very different than the thing you would say to my wife. Sure. Right. You would go to yeah. my wife and you would be like this. It's convenient. It's got, you know, you're going to have uh, the things for the kids to do are wonderful. Your you know, whole family will be in Australia and you'll look at me and be like, oh, dude, it's got an open bar. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm done. I'm sold. <laughs> like, it's something stupid. I don't it's not that, but But you get the point. Right. Like, right. We're just. And none of that is untrue. It's just knowing who you're talking to. And so if you're the lead technician in this scenario, the conversation you have to try to support leadership, to try to make them feel important, to to make them understand that you understand what their needs are, that's that's just a different conversation than you're going to have with the team where you let them know that their needs are important, that you hear them, you know, that you are trying to achieve what they're trying to achieve. Again, it's not disingenuous. If you're straight up lying to one of those people, that's bad. That's not what we're doing. Right. But the messaging up and down the chain can be different and we can still act with integrity because ultimately we are taking care of our team on the floor because we know and believe that if we do that, along with some systemic adjustments, we can accomplish the financial metrics that, you know, that, that are, that are making us sweat, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you have um, a significantly higher potential for success on both, on both sides, no matter how you're framing it to your point, like, okay, if you're the vacation salesman, ultimately, like you're, you want them to buy in and go on vacation. And as you're listening to the salesman, 
you want to see yourself going on that vacation. And so the ultimate yeah. success for everybody is that thing happening. And so I think for this, for this lead tech, like whether they're having the numbers conversation and they're helping and stepping into that leadership space, or they're having the conversation about, hey, this is how this is impacting me on a personal level, or they're having the conversation about, hey, this is the this is where the team is at, right? All of those conversations have a very different frame and um, it is okay for them to step into that conversation and focus solely on that piece um, because they're going to get to the others, right? Like that's the thing is that you're not lying. You, you are going through the pieces, but trust me when I say that when you break it apart and try not to just like conquer it all at the same time, like no, nobody succeeds there. And so pick one from an action set perspective, pick one and, and start there. And so for a writer, I would say like, what feels, there's two ways you can approach it. What feels the most urgent? Is, is yeah. half of your team really looking for other jobs and they're going to quit in the next week if you don't address something? That might be more of an urgently flaming fire than your practice owner being worried about the numbers. It might not, but like that's a that's a gut call that you're going to have to make. Are you yourself at the point where you're just like, I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, yeah. I can't, I physically cannot keep working on the floor. And if you don't change my schedule soon, like it is going to break me. Is that the biggest fire? Like part of it is that from an action steps perspective is figuring out like, where do you start? Because you can't have all those conversations at once. And so which one is the most urgent? And then when you're communicating that and you are sitting down and having conversations. So I think the, you know, your first step, we always talk about having safe conversations and we're going to get to that. The first step is to sit down and to ask to sit down and have the conversation. Right. And so when you are asking to sit down and have a conversation, I would frame it for my practice owner, my practice manager in that, Hey, there's a couple of things that I want to talk to you guys about. And I would like to set up two meetings or three meetings or whatever, because I would like to talk about this and I would like to talk about this and I would like to talk about this. And I have a different, I want to have, be in the right headspace for each conversation. And I want us to really be able to focus and accomplish things. And so I would like to break them apart. How can we accomplish that? If you came to me as the practice owner, even if I was worried about money and I was worried about the numbers, if you came to me as a member of my team, I would be so, I would admire that so much that you are acknowledging my concern and be much more willing to set up the safe space conversation where we're going to be able to sit next to each other, where we're going to be able to assume good intent, you know, where we're going to be able to look at how have we maybe not set the team up for success? How have we filled, uh, you know, the team and ultimately get to the E in safe, which is what is the end result, right? Which is the problem solving, which is ultimately where the, the practice leaders want to get to, you know, we all want to skip the hard stuff and just get to, <laughs> get to the end result. But the reality is we can't do that. And so we have yeah. a better chance of working through the stuff in the middle together as a team, if we can acknowledge, hey, there are, there, are, there, are, this is multiple conversations. So I would ask to have that conversation and set it up in that way. And so I think our writer needs to sit down and kind of think for themselves, like what are the pieces that feel like they're on fire and what feels like it's the biggest fire and then figure yep. out how, you know, which one to approach from that. That's how, that's how I would approach it anyways. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, I agree with all that. And I would also frame it in terms of asking for help. And I just find asking for help to be a really powerful approach Yes, is to go in and say, you know, I hear you guys. I see what we're trying to do. I, you know, I'm concerned about what's happening on, on the ground and the way that people yeah. feel about these things. I, I need, I need some help. Like I, I need, I need help in, in delivering this experience. I need help in trying to to try to take away some of the things that are most bothering to people so that I can get them motivated on, you know, whatever the initiatives are that we're going to try to sort of write the sure. show, things like that. But um, but you go in and you put yourself as, hey, I'm your friend. I'm, you know, I am I'm your lead technician, you know, I am I am trying to help sort of manage on the treatment floor. These these are some things that I need I need help with. I need your support in, in this area. And a lot of times that's that's what people need to hear um, rather than saying you need to do this or the staff doesn't want that or blah, blah, blah. And then you're right. not wrong, but it's much more productive to say, I need your help because I think that some people feel this way and, and I want to make sure that they know that that's not true. 
and that, you know, X, Y, and Z is, are the things that we care about. And so I, I need your support in trying to, to frame these issues this way or, or to, to take some of this pressure off or to make this situation better. I love that. And I think you also have the, it is a good superpower to use to flip the help. Um, it, you need their help and you should absolutely ask for it. And also to tell them, I want to help you, right? Because ultimately that's, yeah. that is a piece that is driving this person as a leader, which is, I want to help be a part of the solutions here. And so I'm, you know, I'm willing to try some things. And so I think it's a, it's a little bit about compromise and, you know, our writer ultimately ended and was asking, you know, am I, am I just really burned out? Am I being really difficult? Like, here's, here's the things that are, that are weighing on me. And yeah. I, while we didn't get into a lot of those pieces in this, in this conversation, I, you know, I just want them to know, like, no, you're not, yeah. like, you're not wrong. We all have things like this impact all of us. And it is also, it's a relationship and it has to be a two way yeah. street. And so you can dip into that trust bank and you can say, Hey, I need this. And here's, here's what I need. And here's why I need it. And if you have a really strong relationship, there's going to be some give and take there. And also recognizing that as a leader, sometimes you feel like you, you know, only have 80% to give, but you figure out how to give 100% anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, and this may be, and you can't do that over a sustained period of time without it becoming unhealthy and without getting to the place of burnout. And so if you were in a place where you're like, I literally can't take this anymore. This is going like, this is physically impacting me or this is mentally impacting me. And like, I'm going to break. You have to lean into that aspect of the relationship to your point, Andy, and say, I need your help. I want to help you. And I feel like I can't help you until I help myself. And this is, you know, physically impacting me or it's mentally impacting me or whatever it is. And so I think leaning into that on both sides um, and having that honest conversation, um, because it's gonna, it's, it opens that door to, the human space. And the reality is if you've been working together and you have a good relationship and you've been there through the things, even if you're not friends, you know, with the people that you work with, you care about each other. And so I have never once leaned into that, you know, magic button of asking for help and trying to give help and not had it work out um, because, because we care about each other. Yeah, no, I agree. I really like how you sort of characterize this too in um and this is this is a triage job like like when you have things like this and and you've got financial pressures and the metrics and you've got culture issues that are stemming from this and people are unhappy and and you know all those sorts of things i i really do look at it like like a like a triage job you know it's um it's one of those it's like a it's like a multi-part surgery where you go okay we've got this horrible broken bone uh but we're gonna need to stop the bleeding before we deal with this bone and we're right. going to deal with the bone but if we don't get the bleeding stop we're not going to be able to fix the bone and it's it is a lot like that and, and to your point you go okay great well this is what i need and so i've got to i've got to clamp i've got to clamp my pain off right uh you know and make sure that i can be okay i'm gonna clamp this off and then we're gonna go look at these things that, that the staff is really upset about that's undermining our ability to come together and be efficient and let's see if we can fix that and all of that stuff is working towards the actual fixing of of the problem, yeah. which is uh, running a two vet practice with one vet, but but you know we we got to do all that stuff. But it's all it's all interrelated. You know what I mean? It's it's morale gets down, so then people start showing up late, which makes the clients unhappy, which then beats up the front desk, and it's all it's like you just got to stop. You got to try to figure out, do a little root cause analysis, try to figure out what the underlying most painful problematic parts are. Try to try to fix those things. And I'll tell you this. Let me shine some sunshine here. What I have found is, because I said, like, you can tell I've 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 driven this, <laughs> I've I've flown this plane before. But what I have found is often it's not as bad as you think it is. It's yeah. not as bad as you think it is. Um, a lot of good comes from sort of setting some some deadlines and then not looking at the metrics, like putting them putting them aside, doing the work, and then coming back at a designated time to see how you've done. So you're just not beating yourself up. Um, and the other thing that I've found is your team wants you to succeed. They want you to they they want you to succeed. They 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 do. You can ask them for help, and you'll be amazed at how if you are vulnerable and honest, and you ask for help, it's amazing how people will pick up and come 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 get you. They'll come they'll come to where you are. And then the last the 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 real last part is um, when uh, when we have things like this and it looks bad and the staff is unhappy and things. You don't have to magically fix their problems, I found. But you have to show them that you're trying. 
and you have to and you have to make progress. Most most people, if you're making progress, if you're making an honest effort to address the problem and to get better and they can see it, a visible effort, they'll give you some time and they'll give you some grace for the most part. You know what I mean? It, but it really is often it's that perception of are things changing? Are they going to change? So you don't have to have the, the magic wand. You don't have to have the magic solution. But you have to try some things and you have to work on some things and, and just say to them, hey, we're not going to get everything right but we're going to try and we're going to keep trying. And if this doesn't fix it, we're going to keep working. And this is probably going to be a multi-step process in getting us back where we need to be. But you have my word. We're going to, we're going to keep trying to fix things and we're going to keep working on them. And I've just found that, you know, it's funny. People will give you grace as long as they believe that you're, you're trying and that things are changing. I think the biggest fear that people have is nothing is changing and nothing is going to change. And this is what it's going to be. And that's when I think people really lose heart. Yeah. And I think the the last thing, you know, um, for me, and that I'm going to talk to the practice leaders a little bit, but also to, to our team lead here, like when we think about this from a, from a numbers perspective, um, one of the things that happens to a lot of us that's happened to me on both sides of this, which is why I'm, I'm bringing it up, is that we have this sense of panic. And Andy, I, I think you, you might be able to really relate to this too. We have this sense of panic because we know that things are not going the way that they should. And so we start looking at the numbers because we know everybody tells us, well, <clears throat> you should be monitoring your KPIs. Like you you should know. But so many of us in veterinary medicine don't don't actually know why we're looking at each of those things. And so as a practice owner, this is what happened to me when I was a manager was my practice owner. We got into a position where we had lost some staff and we were doing less appointments. And so our numbers started trending down. And all of a sudden it was like, let's obsessively look at all of these numbers because someone told us that we should look at the numbers. But I, we, I was like, well, but are those the right numbers? Like, what what matters? And so I think your point about root cause analysis, like the best thing from a trying to bring the numbers and culture perspectives together, uh, besides breaking apart those conversations, is for this team lead to try and understand what is being looked at and why is it being looked at and doing that root cause analysis. So to your point, Andy, like is the practice owner sitting there and they're truly worried that people might not be able to cash their paychecks, that those numbers are different numbers than if you're worried about the overall number of new clients or you're worried about the fact that people can't get in for three months. Like those, the the root cause there is very, very different. And so I think as a team lead, stepping up and saying, I want to help this because that's how you're going to help drive the team is to understand what are we looking at and why are we looking at it? Why do we need to impact the change? And that that will, I think, unlock the ability to have that conversation on both sides for this team lead. Yeah, I, it's okay. I love it. I could do a whole nother episode right here based on what you just said because, <laughs> because you're, 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 spot, you're spot on. And I do think, so I made some assumptions about why this is a big deal because I'm like, oh, you know, you're looking at this and the numbers are not where they need to be. And they went from two vets down to one. And, and so I, I, I imagine it's fairly dire. But I do think it's probably a very, very good choice to try to understand why these numbers are important. Like, why why are these numbers important? Because there's two things that, that I see. I've seen them in myself. I see them in a lot of the people who run teams as one is a comparison is a thief of joy. Yes. Which means, are we doing these numbers because your friend from vet school has a hospital and their numbers are much greater than yours? I'm like, "Mm." I have seen people 100% grab onto that and they just just trash the thing they have. And the truth is, the person probably didn't tell you tell you their actual numbers anyway. But I've seen right. people be like, I have to <laughs> get numbers like they have. And I right. go, like they're in a different, there's a different demographic, right. they're a different area, you know, blah, 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 forget it. But I have 100% seen people be like, yep, I have to do this. And so comparison is a thief of joy because I'm comparing to someone else. The other thing is what a practice should be. And this is this is something that I think tortures a lot of people is we we read management journals and we look at, you know, we talk to consultants or we go to talks and things like that. And people are like, well, you know, your practice should be doing this and they should be doing that. And the truth is there is no should. There's, you know, there's there's what you hope for. There's what, you know, other practices are able to do. But there is no should. 
And so I am 100% seeing people be like, well, I should have my practice ready to sell and blah, blah, blah. And you say, but are you planning to sell? And they're like, nope. And I'm like, okay, then that's something we should aspire to. But it is not mission critical. And, and, and you know, I have felt that way at different times in my career of like, I will tell myself a story about what my business should be or how my practice should run, the practice where I work should run. Sure. And the truth is none of that matters and it's not right. real. And there is no celestial body of judges who will say, yep, you ran your practice the way it should be run. That doesn't mean anything. But um, so anyway, are we doing these numbers because these are numbers we should have? Are we doing these numbers because we're comparing ourselves to someone who's not us? Or are we are we looking at uh, the numbers and saying, well, the payroll is coming and, and this is, I'm not comparing myself to anything other than I want to make sure I take care of my people and I'm worried about being able to do that. Those are three very different things. Yeah. And I, I like we could, we could totally, we could totally do a whole a separate episode on that. And to your point, like, I think the the success for this conversation is to help me understand, start wide, you know, and ask the questions. Like, I want to understand what we're looking at. Why are we looking at these numbers? What numbers are we looking at? And why are we looking at them? I think that's a great place of um, inquisition to come from as a, as a team lead, because that's part of your journey is learning and understanding. And you might help yourself, but you may also help your practice owner and your practice manager along the way. Um, and so I think, um, I think it's a, it's a good place to start that conversation for sure. Yeah, I agree. All right, cool. Okay. Well, this was a fun one. <laughs> I agree. And now I see two more episodes coming out of this. <laughs> I know. This, I is this, a, this is a robust question. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, have a fantastic rest of the week, everyone. Yeah. See you, everybody. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.